0: Hello and welcome to 31 Days of Terror, day number six and I have two spooky stories for you today and story number one comes from Allegra. This story has been passed down to me from my grandmother and her siblings. It has been published in various books looking at paranormal activity, but I've heard it so many times at great detail I feel as if I've experienced it. My grandmother grew up with her four brothers and two sisters in rural Donegal in Ireland. They lived in a large country home and were a well-respected family within the town. I have only ever seen three black and white pictures of the house itself and I personally find it has a chilling similarity to the house in The Conjuring movies. Not the real Conjuring house, but the one used in the movie. I've always felt a bit uneasy after noticing that, especially since that movie genuinely creeped me out. It was assumed that the house had been built in the mid-1800s and this story is set around the 1940s and 1950s. As far as we are aware, everyone knew very little about the house's history, as my great-grandfather had a relatively turbulent family history. Still to this day, I have not been told how we came into possession of the house or what happened within my great-grandfather's family. As the last time I asked, I was advised by my grandmother to leave history where it belongs, and that she knew as much as I did. Anyway, it was known amongst the family that there was always something off about the house, with your typical horror movie creaks and footsteps, to a few more sinister things such as hunting equipment going missing and turning up in places such as the baby's nursery. One summer night, when my grandmother was around 12, she and her older sister were fast asleep, when they were woken by footsteps, sounding as if they were coming up the stairs and walking towards their infant brother's nursery, the room next to theirs. Alarmed, my granny woke her sister up and without hesitation, they walked to the door and peered out the slight crack. They saw nothing, so opened the door further, telling themselves it must have just been a noise made by the old creaky house. As soon as they opened the door, an immense cold feeling came over them. No wind or breeze, just an icy sensation. It was July. Of course they ran to their parents upset and confused about what they had heard. My grandmother doesn't remember anything else about that night other than a look shared between her father and mother and drifting off to sleep and having what she stated as the worst nightmare of her life. She has no recollection of what occurred in the nightmare, just knowing that afterwards she was unable to sleep by herself for eight and a half months. This story takes place in the same house. Two months later and has been told to me by my grandmother's brother, who was around 15 or 16 at the time. It was early autumn, and he vividly remembers waking up one morning to hear footsteps slowly but heavily making their way upstairs. It was early in the morning, but he couldn't think of anyone that would even be wearing work boots. His father was a businessman, and it was far too early for any of his brothers to be awake. Closing his eyes, he tried to drift off back to sleep, but was woken up, not to the sound of his name, but to a strange feeling. He has described it to me as a sense of pressure surrounding you that makes you feel cold but hot and nauseous at the same time, like no feeling I have ever experienced before or since that moment. Opening his eyes, thinking he was maybe getting some sort of fever or was unwell, he was met by a translucent figure. He wore a large hood over his head and eyes, revealing a long face and beard down to his waist. He wore almost a dress-like cloth, tied at the waist with rope, stopping just past his hips. He had no legs. My great-uncle has no way of describing what was beneath him other than surrealistic. The figure reached out a hand, as if inviting him to shake his hand. My great-uncle sat up in his bed, staring at the sight before him. In seconds the figure was gone. The strange feeling he had experienced earlier had also left. He remembers going to find his brother to tell him about the experience. After this, he waited for the rest of the family to wake up and share what had happened over breakfast. He managed to convince himself it was a dream, but couldn't shake off the feeling that it was maybe something more. His father was unsurprised about this event, and from what he can remember, he had very little to say about it. Fast forward to the 2000s. My great-grandfather and mother had passed away leaving the house to my great-auntie. She was the only one still living in the area at the time, but she was unmarried with no kids, so decided to sell the house as it was of no use to her. It ended up being bought by a housing development company who wanted to knock it down and build an apartment block. On the final day of the sale where paperwork was being finalised, the builder in charge of the project walked around the house, checking it out before it would be destroyed. I'm sure he had an actual reason for doing so, I just can't remember exactly what it was, although I assume it was something to do with the structural side of things. He walked from room to room upstairs alone, while my great-auntie and the estate agent stood outside talking. He glanced around each room as he passed, however something caught his eye in the room which was formerly the baby's nursery. To his utter shock, this side profile of a figure was visible one with a large hood covering most of its face and a waist-length beard. Without stopping for a moment he ran down the stairs and straight out of the house exclaiming to my great auntie and the estate agent I am never setting foot in that fucking house again. He refused to even face the windows of the house while explaining what had happened and to his word he never did set foot on the grounds again. In 2013 I went to visit the site, now demolished, Nothing left but old pennies and rubble. There was a sense of bittersweet. Sad to not be able to see the place where my grandmother grew up, but unsure whether or not I would actually have gone in if it had still been there. I would love to say as I walked among the debris that I got a strange feeling or was hit by an icy blast of cold air, but I didn't. And if anything, I felt an immense sense of peace, standing there trying to picture what once was a family home and a hive of activity. It has now been turned into a block of apartments and let me tell you, not the nicest. I recently searched up the name out of interest to see what the place looked like and within minutes found horrible things that have occurred such as murders, assaults and rapes. In fact, an investigation has actually been launched into the antisocial behaviour and criminal activity in that area and particularly those apartments. Maybe the footsteps my grandmother heard were simply her imagination and her horrific nightmare coincidence. Maybe my great uncle was coming down with a fever and simply experienced a strange dream. I can't explain what happened to the builder. I never met him, just simply heard his story. I now found myself questioning whether maybe the current state of the apartments is coincidence and just down to the people who live there, or if there's something more to it. I'm a rational person, a lawyer, someone who tries to have a reasonable answer for everything and not leave anything on a loose end. However, there will always be parts of this story I will never understand and will just have to leave unresolved. I hope this makes sense and I haven't dragged it out, although I feel as if I have. I just really wanted to share what I think is very strange, particularly considering how the area is now. I hope you enjoyed it and I wish I could give out the name of the house, as it is now the name of the apartment block and you could see it for yourself what has gone on there. However, I won't, as my family have chosen not to in the past. So for people who don't know, Donegal is a county that is in the very northwest tip of the island of Ireland, but it is still a part of the Republic of Ireland, and Donegal is a very, very beautiful place. It is absolutely stunning. Oh, and I'd love to know about the background of this house. Like, I really, really would. Like, was it the site of an old, like an old monastery or something? But I'm sure if it was the site of an old monastery, that would just be common knowledge, you know what I mean? That would just be common local knowledge. Because that, that entity, the, the man like, with the sort of dress type thing, tied in rope and the long beard, sounds kind of like holy man or monkish to me. But there is something very ominous about the older people in the family being like, leave history alone. We don't need to know about the history of the house, the end. And you have to presume, obviously, that the builder witnessed the same entity. And I wonder if people in the apartments now are seeing things, you know what I mean? Are they, is it possible that they are seeing the same entity knocking around, this man with a long beard and a gown on that is tied at the waist? This feels like a little detective story that we need to take part in, you know? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And story number two comes from Leanne. A few years back now, an aerialist friend of mine put on an aerial burlesque homage to Jim Henson's labyrinth. Yes, an aerial burlesque homage to Jim Henson's labyrinth. It was everything you might imagine, down to bedazzled codpiece and a metric shitload of loose glitter. I asked my friend if there was anything I could do to support the show in addition to attending and I was told that one of her performers had landed flat foot and unshod on a piece of broken glass. And this is how I ended up doing some pre-show cleanup at the performance venue. The club where the show was being held was a local LGBTQ bar where I used to go clubbing in my 20s. There is something eerie about a bar with the lights on. It looked not so unlike I might have the night after going out, a bit dingy and short of a few sequins. After being handed what I can only describe as a play broom for a child, I started doing the sweeping and mopping with my back moaning. About halfway from the dressing room to the backstage area, a heavy glass door casually opened, paused as though someone was walking through it, they weren't, and then casually closed again. After I'd finished I found the bartender and asked if anyone had mentioned that the place was haunted. Too promptly he said, oh yeah. He then proceeded to tell me that they thought it was the original owner still showing up to check on things. He also said one of their employees had a face rush towards them from the end of the long hallway where I saw the door open and close by itself. Not a figure, just a face. That's enough to make a person wish they'd worn their brown pants to work that day. So there you have it, a little haunted gay club anecdote in honour of Pride Month. Okay, so we're slightly late for Pride Month, okay, but only by a couple of months, it's not too bad, and obviously, we always celebrate Pride Month around here, you know, big fans of the LGBTQIA plus community around here, and I agree, by the way, I think nightclubs during the day have that same almost like uncanny valley feeling like it always feels eerie and weird and it's too bright and it's too empty and it gives you the heebie-jeebies so I totally agree uh kind of I'm desperate to have seen this aerial burlesque labyrinth show also I never know how to say the word homage homage I think it's homage because it's French right so I think it's homage but uh, yeah, d- desperate to have seen that that aerial burlesque show that sounds right up my street, you know. Less desperate to see the face, you know, charging at me down the corridor. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Allegra and Leanne for sending in your stories. If you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to real Podcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website real com if you are desperate for extra content you can sign up to patreon patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories where for five dollars a month or two dollars a month you can get access to heaps of extra content as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free and on that note i shall see you tomorrow